Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, Fungal Associates? (laughs) Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. Book two of Lord of the Tree Rings. I'm yeah. sitting alongside my co-host, Casey Clapp. I'm tree number two. Casey, last episode we settled on uh, the two trees for the pun for this one. Yeah, which isn't... Uh, which, it's, it's, uh, I don't even know if it's a pun. I think it's just not good. It's a low-hanging branch. The two towers, the two powers, the two bowers. The two flowers? Yeah, the two flowers. Uh, well, are we doing a flowering tree? Are we doing a flowering tree today? Uh, you would know better than me. Huh. Huh. Actually, no, we're not. I know we're not. It, that's uh, that doesn't come till the uh, the third installment. Oh, okay. Well, there's something to look forward to. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Completely Arbitrary. Bonjour. Uh, this is part two of our Lord of the Rings themed trilogy of episodes. Here, we hope you enjoyed episode number one. If you're listening to it in the pr- in the proper marathon style, you just finished it. Exactly. Welcome back. It's been a very short time. Yes, Casey and I had lunch and we had a little heart to heart. Uh, where I talked to him about his his uh, addiction, <laughs> and then um, <laughs> turns out I got to stop collecting cones. <laughs> uh, that was a joke. I didn't. Casey, Casey's doing fine. Uh, talk to somebody if you need to. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. The phone number is. Uh, so here we are back recording episode two, like in the in the same day, like we said. And uh, Casey, before we get into this week's tree, this hour's tree. Yep. I have a, a plug. A plug. We're going to plug. Oh, yes. Do you yes, know yes, about yes. this? I do. You told me, and then I actually uh, looked it back up again. I okay. am so happy we're doing this plug. Our mutual friend, Lizzie Falconer. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Lizzie. Uh, very smart, cool person. Mm-hmm. Has a podcast with her friend, Jen Thomas. I don't know Jen personally, but I'm sure she's also smart and cool. Yeah, I'm not actually sure either. Uh, it is called Shorts. And the reason I'm bringing it up here is to, uh, you know... Uh, shout out to a friend who's doing some cool podcasting, but also Casey. Yeah, this podcast shorts is about short stories. Oh, I love that! It's it, a great name. It is not about half pants, as you might think. I was hoping that it was going to be like, "Hi, this month we're talking jorts, yeah. all different kinds of jorts." Lizzie's podcast. <laughs> I've listened to it myself. It's very good. <laughs> if you like literature, which hey. What better time to bring this up than on our book-themed episode, Casey? Exactly. It's like somebody put some thought into this. Who would have done that? <laughs> um, if you like books, if you like reading, which I'm assuming you do if you listen to this podcast. Because that's all we do is talk about things you should read. That's true. Uh, check out this podcast. It's called Shorts. It's on all of the platforms that you would find podcasts on. And uh, tell them... Uh, 
tell them completely arbitrary sent you. Yeah, you tell them that. You make sure you tell them that we sent you. You, you hear? You tell them that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you give a little smack on the cheek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the kind of like like soft, but not too hard. Yeah, but like yeah. hard enough to for them to know that you mean business. That's, yeah, that's what I'd rather. I guess we would do that to you before but, you go. But you could defend it as I'm just playing around. Yeah, you know? exactly. So it's yeah. defendable. Yeah. Anyway, don't do that. Just go listen to the podcast and tell them hi from us. Yes. Shorts. Uh, found anywhere. There you go. Casey, we've got a cool tree to talk about this week. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. With, with kind of a fun uh, backstory. This is a fun one. In fact, I, whenever I, I, I look at it, I'm always like, we've already done that. Oh, no, we haven't. Yes. Casey is referring to the fact that we have a lost episode. Yep. Our second episode ever was on this tree. We listened back to it. We did not like it. <laughs> I think actually, I think this was a f- our first episode. Casey, you're right. Because this we, was the original yeah, pilot. This was going to be our very, very first one. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yes, okay, and, thank you. And we decided not to do it for, I, I, I don't remember exactly why. I think it was, it was topical at the time because it was the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center. And oh. there's a big to-do about it because they found an owl inside of it. Oh. A little sawweet owl, I believe is what it was. I think I remember this. Yeah. And so we were going to do it. It was like, yeah, this is that tree. Let's talk about that tree. Yeah. And then I remember I got a, a, a text from you or something or maybe a call. And you're like, Casey, we can't do this. We're like, it, we get, there's, we got to change it. Yeah. And I don't, I, know, I don't think I ever even listened to, like, maybe, I, I'm sure I listened to it, but I can't recall what it was that made you like feel so strongly. I just accepted it. I was like, okay, sounds good. Let's redo it. Yeah. Like there was just no, if, if you had made that editorial call, that's well, what it was. Well, it was a failed pilot. A yeah. lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, you, you, it was a, it was almost like a prototype episode. Yeah. Yeah. To see what worked, what didn't work. Yes. What and, did it we did, like? and it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> and we know that now. Um, <laughs> no, I listened back to it. It was just a mess. Like yeah. it, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have any sort of structure. It was uh-huh. just like total crapshoot. And it just didn't work. We sh- we showed it to our friend Olivia, who who yeah. kind of helped us uh, like, uh, at the time, and and yeah. she wasn't too into it. Uh, and if it was the right move, I think, because mm-hmm. Casey, now we have this great story to tell, and we're bringing it back, we're bringing it back, ladies and gentlemen, the Norway spruce. Wow, wow, what a stunning tree! This is the Norway spruce. Latin Picea abies. That's right, Picea abies. Now, abies I know as fir. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is the fir-like spruce. Picea is, is spruce. That's correct. That is the old Latin Latin name, I believe, for spruce. So this is like the furry spruce. Exactly. This is the spruce that looks like a fir. Interesting. Yeah, they do this a lot with um, uh, other plants, but usually it, it's it's more like it would be abizana or something like that. Uh-huh. So it's like the abiz like thing. So just having it, it's like spruce fir, or rather, I guess technically it'd be reverse. It would be like fir spruce. Okay, is what it's uh, it's called. But then if you did, uh, here's an example: uh, Acer platinoides. That is the Norway maple mm-hmm. and acer is maple platinoides means that it has leaves oides like the platinus which is the plane tree oh so it's the God. plane tree like maple interesting acer platinoides this is done more explicitly with uh douglas fir 
the uh, pseudo suga. Exactly. It is hemlock like. Yes, it's the false hemlock. Yeah. Yeah. So in this case, it's the same thing, except it's a little bit more. If you did a direct translation, you know, like in some languages, you say like, like I am eating versus I eat this. Right. Like the conjugations are almost are exactly the same. You yeah. can interpret it either way. Yeah. This, the the slight difference would be uh, Picea abies is the fir spruce, whereas if, if it was Picea abesoides, then it would be the fir-like spruce. So this is like even more just like direct right on so you know what credit given we'll, we'll, we'll we see it that was very it's a, it's a it's a name that it says this is a like a it's a, a very forceful statement this is a tree who knows who it is and Precisely. is proud of it yes and the furs are also like it, it's just to be clear not one of us wow just want to make sure you know that what a what a bunch of haters yeah there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of haters uh let's casey let's imagine as we do every episode that you and i how about this are sort of traversing through uh, the mountains surrounding Gondor. Ah, you know okay, that mountain range okay. between Gondor and Rohan. Is that the one? Do do they cross that in the Hobbit? Uh, no, that mm. is well. That's the mist. That's the Misty Mountains. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, because there there's one in the Hobbit in like uh-huh. the movie that I only saw the first one because I just was uninterested in the rest. I'm yeah. sorry. They uh, the, he the mountains were like fighting each other. Somehow, oh yeah, they were like they were like uh, mountain trolls. I think it wasn't mountain trolls. It was like or mountain giants. It was the mountains. Oh, like maybe it was like the I for some reason like the mountains were alive themselves, like throwing rocks at each other. I think those are mountain giants. Okay, I don't I'm know sure. what it was, but the way they described it. It was like in Zoolander where they're like, they're breakdance fighting. <laughs> it was like the mountain fights. Like it was, I can't, I just remember laughing so oh. much. Me like, what a perfect description. But it was so like dumb that they kind of took it seriously. I didn't know. Silly, I silly movies though. So, okay, not those mountains. No, no. This is a different mountain. I could also, Hold on. I could provide you what I think we should be walking through. If it's up to, if it's up, if it's up to me. Oh sure, it might be the first time ever you override me, but yes. I, I I am interested. All right, I think we should be walking through the Fangorn Forest. Okay. That's what I think. That's good. However, there's a caveat to that. What is that? Well, in my understanding from the the visual representation of the movies of uh-huh. the books, the Fangorn Forest was mostly a deciduous forest. So it had oak trees and beech trees and uh, oh, really? lime trees and things like that. Okay. At least in the books, or I'm sorry, in the movies, that's what it looked like. It's been a while since I've read the books, so I can't recall all of the species of tree that yeah. were listed because he did that all the time. It's what made that book so great, all the books, is that he the descriptions and like the inclusion of specific details. Yes, totally. So I don't know if in the book he said that a spruce grows in the Fangorn Forest, but whilst Treebeard is walking through the Fangorn Forest and goes to the, the what, tree smoot. Yes. They, uh, I don't know if there's a spruce there. There might be, but I, I, I don't know for sure. Well, we'll have to take a close look. But I love that, Casey, that we're, that we're walking through Fangorn. Yes. And I look at you and I say, the air is still. Yeah, and I'm like, it's moldy. Or no, oh, oh in the <laughs> books they say the air is close. Ah, that's That is beautiful. such a great the line. The air is close. Oh, it just makes my skin crawl because <laughs> I know exactly what that feels like. Yeah. All right, well, sorry to throw you off. All right, no, that's totally fine, Casey. We're walking through the Fangorn Forest. Oh, the White Mountains are the mountains I was trying to ah, think of. okay. I and uh, we come across some Norway spruce mm-hmm. and they're walking around. We got to chase after him. Yep. Casey, let's ID... 
This ant. Let's ID it. The Norway spruce is a beautiful tree. Like there's just, there's no way around it. And the big thing with it is it is an evergreen conifer. It's in the genus Picea, which are the spruces. Um, of spruces, this is one of, I think, only a few. Like, there's not that many. 40 species, so that's a good amount. Oh, really? Yeah. I honestly, for some, maybe I'm thinking hemlocks. Hemlock, there's like eight species. But Wild. Of, of spruce, they go all the way across the United States, up into Canada, all across Europe, all the way over to um, Japan and China and I think you can find a few in like the the North Africa higher um, uh, higher elevation mountains, uh-huh. the, the Caucasus, which is up higher, but the Himalayas and um, Atlas Mountains, that kind of thing. Okay. However, um, as you're going through, you're going to find the Norway spruce in the higher elevations and the higher latitudes in mostly Europe. Essentially, that sort of broad spectrum, uh, high elevation, colder areas in Europe. Okay. Though they call it the Norway spruce, it actually probably ended up going up into Norway as a, a lot of the glaciers and things receded over the last ice age. We uh, talked about that uh, during our um, beach beach episode. Yes, uh, sir. European beach. Yeah. That's it. So they, uh, it's the same idea. So they call it the Norway spruce, but of course it is a spruce that grows in all different places down there. Cool. And it is famous for having a very like upright, uprightness to its whole canopy, but very, very droopy branches. Oh, I know another tree like this, Casey. <clears throat> yeah, which one's this? The Western Hemlock. Uh-huh, that's exactly right. The biggest difference between these two is that the, the Western Hemlock kind of has like a droopy top and then kind of has a, a shaggy, feathery kind of appearance uh-huh. to the whole canopy, whereas the spruce, everything, like the tips of all the branches pop up. Yeah. They're all very, very like at attention, uh-huh. but the twigs and things that come off of them hang like drapes. I see this now. If yeah. you want if you want like a visual for this, the... T- the stem or the uh, branches coming out uh-huh. almost look like if you see like an eagle in flight. Yeah, and yeah, the little yeah. tips of their little wingies are 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 pointed out Point straight up. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, well, that's yeah. imagined a, an eagle in flight. Hey, how about one of the eagles uh, yeah. from the Lord of the Rings? I was going to say one of those gigantic eagles. Everyone always just is like classic. Like, why don't you just fly the eagles? There? Oh my god, there's so many reasons. Look it up. <laughs> yeah, trust me, they looked into it. So that is the thing you'll see from afar. It's this evergreen tree. It kind of has a a light green kind of grayish appearance to it. Yeah. Um, But it also can have a bluish tinge, certainly. But it's kind of like this this mint green color from afar. It's almost like a silver green. It is, yeah. That's a really good way to describe it. And as the... as you are getting closer, the first thing you're going to notice is that it is really pokey needles. You're going to notice from afar because oh. you, you, you're not even want to get close to this thing. Wow. It's not the most pokey of all the spruces, but it is dang near the top. Dang. And spruces are famous for having like squarish in cross-section needles that you could like, if you pulled one off, you could rub it between your fingers as opposed to say some furs and hemlock where they kind of are flat so you can't roll them. Your fingers oh. just kind of slide over the top and the bottom. Okay. So this, a needle will roll like a wheel in between your, uh, or a log in between your fingers. 
Cool. Now, if you walked over and famously, as other people have said, if you want to go introduce yourself to a tree and you want to get to know it, ID it, see what its name is, go out and shake hands with that tree. Ooh. You come over and you shake hands with the spruce, and it is going to be like, don't touch it's gonna me. It's going to cut you. It's going to cut you hard. And the, not only that, you're like, you'll grab it, then you'll take your hand away, and you'll be like, oh, it's still, it, it feels like there's a stuck needle in my hand, and there's not. Like It just pokes you and like just breaks the skin there's enough. There's like really fine points. Yeah, it's super fine. I hate that. It's the worst. I don't like touching this tree. Sometimes it's fine, especially if you just like climb in the middle and you just cut the branches off or something if you're taking one out. Um, but like physically lifting it up and throwing it into a chipper or a truck, you're just poking yourself the whole time. It's awful. Bring your gloves. Yeah, bring your gloves. So the other thing about it is uh, the spruces, uh, their needles grow on little teeny tiny pegs. So if you're trying to figure out, is this a spruce, is this a hemlock, Douglas fir, et cetera, et cetera, um, all the fruit, the, the needles from a spruce tree are on these little teeny tiny pegs. And so if you find a, an old twig covered in pegs, uh-huh. if you uh, pull off a needle, there would be a little peg left on the twig and you can see it, you can feel it. They're, they're very obvious. Why? It's just the way it grows. Oh, that's just the way it grows, it's just man. just the way it grows, yeah. It's not technically a petiole, to my understanding, it, whereas uh, the hemlock oh. and other things, like there's a little tiny petiole, then the leaf comes out. Wow. This is more just like the base of the leaf itself, um, like the the base of the needle has become wooden and kind of like hardened. It's like a little bit of an ingrown hair situation. Yeah, I think so. And then the hair finally pops out from wherever it goes. Yeah, yeah. That's my understanding. If we want to really get to the like nitty gritty of it, this no. is uh, this is interesting. This is the first I've heard of a uh, of a um needle tree uh-huh. to have a petiole. Yeah, exactly. And then, like I said, this one doesn't. But, but the it, hemlock you said, right? Yeah, exactly. And I believe okay. that is the case. Like I don't wanna I don't wanna get myself wrong. But some of them can have that. Okay. But it's it, you know botanically where it comes from, you have to ask someone who's way more specialized than me. Got it. All right, well let's talk uh let's talk bark. Gah, I was hoping you're gonna ask that. I love the bark. Really? I do I love the bark of almost all species of spruce tree what's it like it is really really it's not very thick uh it's not very like furrowed but it has individual plates that as the tree grows and gets bigger the plates kind of will fall off or just stay on but have the appearance of like a mottled gray plated thing it's nice it's really nice. And the whole stem itself is very, um, and this goes along with most spruces again. The base is very uh, um, buttressed, where it comes up and has this perfect, like, wide, like, zoop, and then it just perfectly goes up mm. into this very nice buttressed base of the, where it goes into the ground. And then immediately, uniformly, up the entire tree until it gets too young to where it hasn't quite developed this old enough bark, it will have these little, tiny little plate-like uh, structures on the outside as it kind of shags away very slowly over time. Wow. Almost every single tree, it looks way different than any other kind of tree that it would grow near to the extent where if you're just hanging out in the woods, you're walking around, there's some trees around, you're like, okay, that's a fir, that's a Douglas fir, that's a hemlock, and that's a spruce. You don't need to look up, you don't need to look down, you can just look at the bark and you can tell the difference between each of them. Wow. It's so distinctive. Maybe you can. Alex, I guarantee you can too, I promise. Uh, Yeah, you know what? I look at this bark. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and I think it's it has a lot of character to it. It does. And I, and I had this close up here, and I was looking at it. and I thought, God, that would make a great like texture for the face of an ent. Oh, where like all of a sudden the eyes just kind of go. Yeah, like they're behind two of the plates. Yeah, and it's that's... just like this textured, like old grizzled man uh, with like some some old man's beard. Yeah, as a beard, he's got some. Uh, Oh, old man's beard is yeah, a type of lichen. Yeah, it's a type of lichen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you like how I called it lichen instead of moss? I did. Well done. Someone Thanks. else died. One of my friends uh, did that recently, and I had to be like, well, actually, yeah. And I then, should I should have been there. Yeah, they immediately kicked me out. They were like, Casey, go home. <laughs> do you like how I uh, insist that you pat me on the back for small achievements? <laughs> no, I do. I I like to do it, Alex. It's 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 my way to make sure you stay around. He likes doing it. <laughs> uh, Casey, we have so much more to say about the Norway spruce. We do, and before we get to it, oh, Lord, we should talk about the cone. Oh shit! I cannot <laughs> believe isn't this the second time in a, in a row, the second episode in a row I've done this? Yeah, well, we just forgot the acorn on the last, which one. is like the cone of an oak tree. It's, it is, yeah. Honestly, we should you should uh, you should make that a uh, a sticker, uh, like a bunch of things. Like it's the cone of this, like, right? Yeah. Oh, it's like the cone of the magnolia tree. That's like the cone of the apple tree. And you know what it is. You know what that means. Yeah, everyone does. Really, be like, if they don't know what it means, they're like, what? Like the cone of the apple tree is the apple. Yeah, exactly. It's the fruit. <laughs> well, anyway, the fruit, similar to an acorn, but more cone-like, is a long cone. It's actually one of the longer spruce cones, um, generally like six to eight inches. Like, it gets really, wow. really long. And what's fun about it is that it's really kind of a soft, woody uh apparatus it just kind of hangs down very pendulous and then when it dries all these little like kind of light gray i'm sorry light brown little uh scales will pop open and they kind of curl they're already a little bit curled because they yeah when they're closed they're in a it's like a a, a cylinder so then if you pop them open they actually are really rigid and they don't you cannot bend them backwards or else they'll just break off hmm. because they're already kind of concaved so because they're concave and they're dried out they're actually really like not not strong in the sense where you'll like you know hurt yourself. They're not like a pine cone strong. Yeah, they're slightly papery, but because of the way they're shaped and built, you can like take your finger down and be like, Bring, man, Bring. I love a spruce cone. It's can I, so can good. I go into uh, spruce cones? Get Cross and Stump of Approval. Hey, there we go. Thank That's you. That's what I'm talking about, Alex. Yeah, I, I love a spruce cone. I love running my fingers on it like that. It's like a little musical instrument if you could like amplify that. Yeah, it's exactly um, what it is. They're so much fun. They're like, so I just papery and clicky and, and very satisfying. I feel like we should give them to like... Uh, they should replace like fidget cubes, you know, oh, for like yeah, yeah. sensory toys for kids. Exactly. The only problem is they're just too loud. Like that's the big thing is that many times people are like, oh, there's just too much sound. I'll be right back. Alex is, I wasn't sure where he was going. I kind of panicked and looked at him. Oh, he's getting, oh my God, I forgot. You have one right here. I have what I what I believe is I have what I believe is a blue spruce cone. Oh, okay, yeah, it's really closely similar. The biggest difference is that the blue spruce cone it's a little bit shorter, and the paperiness at the end of the uh, at the end of each scale it's kind of a little shaggy papery. Yes. Whereas the cone of the uh, of the Norway spruce is way more circular. Like it's it doesn't have that kind of shagginess at the end. Not near as much. It has a little bit. Yeah, it's like a rounded part. a rounded or a 
a pointed circle. Almost. Yes, like, exactly. And which is um, funny because there's a lot of spruces that have perfectly round. Like there's not a single shag on it. Like hemlocks. Yes, they look way similar to hemlocks. Interesting. And then there are other ones that are way more like super shaggy. Yeah. Like, this is this is one of those. This one's quite shaggy. Casey, will you throw me that pencil I gave you earlier? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little note on this uh, spruce cone, which I think should give a kind of a good idea of uh, of how these things sound. Yeah, yeah. What do we got? Yeah, that's that was it. Good. One more. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I love that sound. I think we should do an ASMR thing for that. I need to do like a field recording. I got sap and seeds yeah, all over yeah, me. God true. dang it! This podcast is too naturey. Anyway, I think that is the big thing. Mm, the other thing is this, this is a big, big tree. It can get up to uh, like 60 or 70 feet tall, but it's growing in a place where it doesn't deal with trees that are overtly gigantic. Oh, so it kind of rules the roost a exactly. little bit? Exactly. Like it's one of the taller trees. The only other trees they would have to deal with are a couple other spruces, maybe a larch and certainly some pine trees, but uh-huh. that's that's about it. Everything else is is the smaller growing uh, broadleaf trees where they get tall but not like the the Sitka spruce out here where it's like well if I'm going to survive I have to become 300 feet tall right so yeah way way shorter than other species of spruces but still one of the larger species of spruces that we have how tall did you say like a, an average one was um, average one probably about 60 feet or so but I've oh, seen okay. I've seen plenty here that easily could go up to 80 feet damn uh, some big big old ones so sweet yeah they, they can do it well, Casey, now are we ready to go to the break? Hold on, let me check. Yeah, yeah, it looks like our producers uh, are saying we can go We can go to the break now. All right, well, hey, we got plenty more to say about the Norway spruce in this book two of our trilogy. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. We did it. Uh, today we're talking the Norway spruce. It's beautiful. Also, it turns out, Alex, <laughs> the uh, the tallest one, uh, one of the tallest measured, about 114 feet tall. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey. Alex. We have some things to say about the Norway spruce. Yes, we do. You're not going to like this. You're not going to like this. Kids, sit down. I'm just kidding. We have to talk about some things that are really cool about the oh, Norway spruce. Oh, great. It's good news. It's great news. So the old Norway spruce. So there's a couple of different things with it uh, that we're going to be talking about. Mainly, the inspiration for why we chose this tree yes. is, in fact, as I said previously, the Fangorn Forest. Yes. My understanding of the Fangorn Forest, which in the representations of not only the the, the movies, also the descriptions, the air is close. It's uh, it's a forest that is old, it's dank, it's like half dead, it is like things are rotting all over the place, uh-huh. but that's like because it's so old and like slowly transforming itself from life to death to life again, like always. This is an old growth forest. This is the definition of an old this growth forest. This is the forest. oldest growth forest. Exactly. And these trees have been growing in this one place and this as this one big forest for so long that everything has developed there with it over this really long period of time. Mm. And these kinds of forests in our modern world are so very rare in the temperate parts. 
in the uh, tropical forest, we still have, A, a lot of land like this sort of still out there, hmm. but it also works on such a fast scale in the tropics where you can get a the equivalent of an old-growth forest in a, a much smaller amount of time. It still takes, you know, 100 or 150 years for a big, gigantic tree to exist and all the other things to grow with it in a tropical forest, but the trees never stop growing. They're always growing. All the vines are always growing. They never stop. You know that uh, in a New York minute? Uh-huh. You know what a New York minute is? Yeah, yeah, I know the term, but I guess is there a definition of how fast that is? It's just like, well, not not temporally. Oh, okay. But it's like in other places where things might take an hour. Yeah. In New York, everything happens so fast it takes a minute. You know, like ah, a lot of shit can happen in a minute in gotcha. New York City. Yes. You know? So I, that's the way I like to think about the tropics. It's a perfect example. It is. It is the. It is a the fast lane. Yeah. Of of uh, fl- fl- flora and fauna. Yes. That's yeah. That's that's a perfect example. Well, as it happens, these the Fangorn Forest I think is that big old dank. Yeah. The air is close. Dank. Meanwhile, this tree is growing in that forest, in the sense of. If you're going to imagine where the Fangorn Forest is, is there an example that we can look to in the world that could be what we would describe as the Fangorn Forest? I kind of equate it to like like old growth in, uh, well, you know... um Middle Earth is, is is like Europe. It is. It's it's essentially Europe. That's yeah. my understanding. So I, I think of Fangorn as like the Black Forest or something. Yeah. Now, so here is here's here's why we're not going to be talking about the Black Forest. <laughs> here's today. where here's why I'm wrong. Here's why that's a dumb For a weekly answer. segment. Here's why Alex is wrong. <laughs> here's why Alex is wrong. That would actually be a really fun segment for me. Yeah. And and I'm sure that you would at the end of the day be like, I hate this segment, Casey. <laughs> and then at the end, everybody there's like lights that light up, and everybody has to chant. You fucking idiot! <laughs> we all cheer. We all go home. Yeah, yeah. They will sell like balloons that we can throw things at. I go back to my <laughs> dressing room and I have no greeting cards. This sounds, no flowers. No, everyone's like Casey. That was really good. Great yeah. job, Alex. You get pass, it right. You pass me in the hall with a big group of of people, and you're all <laughs> laughing. And you're like, "Oh, Alex, uh, we're just going to uh, dinner." Uh, uh, we'll see you later. Bye. And then yeah. you guys go off to a nice dinner. <laughs> Sounds and... awful. Well, the good news is we pay you millions of dollars. It's not worth it if you don't have love in your life, That's Casey. right, Alex. You're loved. We will not have that segment. All right, let's continue. So, the uh, the place that I have uh, picked out, um, and this honestly was just, we were Googling like Norway spruce, like where's it going to grow? Where's, what's it doing? What's going on around it? Yeah. And I stumbled upon something that I wish I had known about way long ago. Wow. It's called the... Oh, good luck, my friend. Thank you. Biawovieja. <laughs> Biawovieja. That's how I pronounce it. That's how I believe it's pronounced. Did you find a pronunciation guide for yeah, this? Yeah, Biawovieja. Okay. And edge is all capitalized, so I think that's where the emphasis should go. Biwo, bi, damn it. I know you're going to hate this. Our apologies to our Polish listeners. <laughs> yes, that is the forest, the bee forest, Biwoegia. 
we'll 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 figure it out sometime. It's a very complicated word, but unless you're Polish, in which case it's it's probably just <laughs> it like probably rolls off the tongue. Yeah, no problem. So um, it, this is a World Heritage Site between the border on the border between Poland and Belarus. Okay, and. What is so curious about this forest is that obviously it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Are you familiar with Which this? Which we we should define. I no, I don't know. What I that was going to say. So UNESCO is kind of the uh, it stands for the United Nations Education, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Okay. And the idea about it is they basically find uh, it's the United Nations like cultural realm or like scientific side where they they're not doing politics well they are obviously but they're not doing like saying we're the united nations these are our our policies and our decisions and blah 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 they're basically saying we as a, a global community, we as human beings have cultures all over the world and mm. there's also certain things that are beautiful and perfect and need to be retained as is for everybody. Hmm. And these are things like um, the pyramids in Egypt and the Colosseum and the Great Wall of China and like pieces of like ancient forests in Africa and like these kinds of really intense sites that are are not necessarily of a culture. They could just be a biodiversity place. Um, I think the downtown of... uh, uh, Oaxaca, Mexico mm. is uh, like a world heritage site. And, like some other like cities where they're so ancient and so old but still used and they're just like the coolest places you've ever seen in your life. Did you say the Colosseum was one of these I places? Be- I believe okay. so, yeah. And they're called UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Okay. And the idea being that it's it's a heritage of, of uh, us as things that live on this planet but it's also heritage in terms of like cultural development you know okay. in some regard or another i think like Machu Picchu is a world heritage site that kind oh, of thing okay okay so and if any of these places aren't that's the kind of place that they that they would say yes it should be got it so this is a forest and it is essentially the only remaining old growth forest that's uncut primary forest it has not been cut and replanted with other things left in what is called the european plain which for those of you doing the home game is essentially all of europe (laughs) north of like the alps okay and so included in this uh on on that uh that section of land that we just discussed um the european plain would include central europe including germany and poland and going all the way up into the sort of more flatland gigantic forest areas all the way up into europe and the arctic circle and this area historically speaking before humans settled in this area was one big gigantic forest i know we've said this before where europe is essentially one gigantic forest yeah at one point. yeah it essentially this little bit of forest this unesco heritage site which is a national park in poland and belarus i think both they are protected this this those two areas as one unit they're protected and they are the only remaining old growth forest that in my opinion could be considered what the fangorn forest would look like today wow that's why we chose it so i started doing some research into this and take a take a little look at it and like okay so what's what is what is interesting like what what makes this so fantastic as as a place and the main thing um is that it has 
a ridiculous amount of species of trees and plants and things that live there. Do you have a number? Uh, I don't know the number for the tree species because actually when I looked up a lot of things, they were in Polish and uh, I didn't I didn't know what they said. Um, but you can think of any, uh, any forest tree that grows in Europe probably has grown in this area. Wow. Including... Uh, Scots pine and beech tree and Norway spruce, probably Norway maple, probably the hedge maple, horn beams and oak trees. Uh, the last oak that we just did has a bunch of gigantic species that grow in this area as well. The pedunculate, the pedunculate oak. So, are you saying, are you saying that this is like a little slice of untouched? history ancient history um yes but it's it has been touched which we'll talk about in a second okay but it is essentially left as is intact as if it as as it would be before human uh human arrival in this area yeah exactly or at least before really widespread human deforestation okay because that's the main thing as soon as we started to move in as homo sapiens into this area Mm -hmm. then we started to remove trees and cut them down in order to start growing crops Uh, so it's not the very 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 first people who ever moved there a lot of those, like the, um, there's ancient cave paintings from Neolithic peoples in like France from like 40,000 years ago. Mm. And those people were also probably up in this area. It was definitely super cold back then. So there might have been more glaciers that pushed and kept everything south. And again, as the glaciers moved up, the trees moved up with it. So it might have been that only in the last 10 or 15,000 years did people start to move up into this area because now you had the, the glaciers went away. But let me give you a quick uh, synopsis, and this is from the UNESCO uh, heritage uh, tree or heritage site, where they describe the diversity of rich wildlife, which I was like, okay, this sounds pretty good. Here's what they account for. 59 mammal species, Hmm. 250 birds, 13 amphibians, 7 reptiles, and over 12,000 invertebrates. Is there a partridge in a pear tree? Be honest. I bet you there is. Honestly, if there isn't, then they, they missed out, and there are five golden rings. We need to Ooh, is that a is that a is that a hint at your cone score? It, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? But it's uh it's the funny thing is that there's also it says that like a huge amount of this area is just dead stuff. Like it's just it's just trees have died and they are rotting on the ground. Hmm. And that's why it's so good for all these invertebrates and all these sure. other species of of small little animal animals because they are that's where they live like in these tiny little, you know, dens underneath a dead log. And, and the fungi kind of must love it. Oh, they go crazy. Like that's half the thing, right? That's that's what they're all about. That's party yeah. That's Zion, that baby. Is Zion. That's where the party will happen. <laughs> uh, is that a Matrix reference? I think it was. Casey, as you know, I watched The Matrix for the first time in my life recently. Stunning. <laughs> Everybody, you just heard that right. It is 2022. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that movie came out in like... 99. 99. <laughs> About 23 years late. Adults have come and gone <laughs> in that time. Not, no, no, not died. I mean, just like come into the world and then like moved on with their lives. Okay. Yeah, it's a good movie. But uh, it's a great movie. All right, continue. Anyway, sorry. So the uh, so this this whole little section of, of land, it includes the Norway, uh, the Norway spruce. But what's funny about this is that the Norway spruce actually has in Poland two different big gigantic ranges that come down and kind of meet in the middle. Hmm. And what's so curious about this is that 
they can't really figure out why. Like they're like, well, what is it about Poland that like makes this such a a weird like space? Like like what happened? There's like the northern section and the north and the east has a certain uh, like genetically similar kind of species or kind of variety. And then from the south and the west, there's another different kind of variety that comes up. Of Norway spruce. Of Norway spruce, yeah. And right in the middle, apparently there there's this zone that just no spruces grow. Whoa. <laughs> and I found an article and and they're they're like, honestly, no one's really quite sure, but there's like this they they call it the spruceless zone. Uh oh my a spruceless God. area. And it's just like in super western central Poland, there's just no they just they can't find that there's been a historic population that is that has moved in there. They're like, why are there no spruces here? There's spruces to the left, to the right. They're up above. They're down below. Why not right here? So they can't figure it out. They they think that it had to do a lot with people cut them down, and then the soil's not very good. So it's like once you cut it down, the trees are kind of like, meh. All right, I'm just going to move elsewhere. Why why put back. the effort into growing someplace where I'm not wanted? Exactly, picks up its roots and just walks up to the woods. Wow. Yeah. So uh, go ahead. I, I was just I was just uh, over here. Kind of looking at photos of Poland. Okay, just just for some reference. Yeah, yeah. Not get, too get, familiar. Get used to it. Get used to I'd, what it's all about. I'd really like to visit Warsaw. I would too. It is like, a fucking gorgeous city. It looks like the whole place is there. I have a, a friend who's Polish, uh, and he just you know he's the most lovely man you could ever want to meet. Like yeah. he's just a delight. It, so shout out to Mick. Hey Mick, if you it, listen to the show, it looks like a, just a just a gorgeous place to be. We should go. We should visit. Go see the Norway spruces. Man, if we could put together a completely arbitrary European tour, uh, world tour. Yeah, sure. Well, and I specifically want to go to this forest. This uh, this forest is is like amazing. The keystone species that they have. It's not. I, I shouldn't use that word because that is a has a different meaning. But like the the primary megafauna that really makes this a special and unique place uh-huh. is the European bison. Wow. Forest bison. Forest bison. Allegedly, the um, bison, I can't remember, I think bison originated in in Eurasia. That's where they evolved. Um, like a Eur- step animal? Yeah. It's either Eurasia, but there's also bison in... Uh, Africa. So oh. I think that the species as like or the genus grew and evolved in Africa, Eurasia, that sort of central area of the world. Okay. And then migrated out, crossed over, and then speciated to a different kind in North America. Because ours in North America are like these big tanks of animals. Yeah. And they grow and they live on these big open plains in the, the northern Midwest and, and down. Whereas the uh the forest species are, if you see them in, like, if they're looking at you head on, they are like, like, triangle or like rectangular trucks. They're like really <laughs> tiny. They're, they're very skinny from left to right. Really? But then if you see them from the side, they're just like these big bulky creatures that could like fit between trees. You know what I mean? That's like a funny, that would be like a funny reveal in a movie. You're like, yeah. oh, look at that. It's, what is that? It's like a really skinny animal and then yeah. it turns to the side like, and it's the oh size of a Mack truck. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. Uh, yeah, a, f- a bison looks out of place in a forest. It really me. does. It's such a weird, weird thing. But They're, they're beautiful animals though. Yeah. And so they live here and this is the main kind of topic is, yes, of course, this forest and like the it's a UNESCO heritage site in that 
there should be so many more of these, although, of course, it's political to try and get there because it's essentially saying you, Poland, and Belarus have agreed that you are never going to touch this gigantic resource of trees yeah. because it's a UNESCO heritage site, which is you have agreed that the rest of the world and you should inherit this in time immemorial, in for time immemorial. However, there are... All these other resources in the United States, the redwoods, that's a great example, mm-hmm. the uh, um, bristlecone pines, the old gigantic forests up in Alaska that should stay forever and not have oil drilled into them, these kinds of things. Those are like heritage sites for very specific reasons that should just be left and no one should touch them. They should just leave them to be what they need to do or need them to be as best we can. It's not as simple as that, I know, but... That would be the dream. However, it turns out that what is sort of interesting also, like the next kind of layer to add on to this, is that way before there was any uh, UNESCO heritage site or United Nations, anything like that, there were people living in these areas that called themselves Polish or called themselves uh, Belarusian or called themselves whatever they were. And there was just people existing, right? And they had to cut down trees to make fuel. They had to go into the forest to kill animals that they could then take back, and that's how they lived. That was their sustenance. What they, era are you talking right Oh, now? I'm talking just pre—basically, let's go pre-1900. Uh, oh, okay. Um, and so all these people that were just chilling and living here, they used these forests as resources. The Germans famously were the first to actually start forest management hmm. as, a, as a, a not only a profession but an idea. So they basically said— can we make it so that we can manage this forest to be as efficient as possible without actually destroying it, and that way we can create a sustained yield is the new term. Wow. I'm not necessarily giving them credit for coming up with the term sustained yield. That also has a lot of baggage with it. It's more of the idea that if we cut everything now, we won't have it later. What if we plan on how much we're going to take and we're going to manage this forest so that we basically have what we need for as long as possible. It's a great idea. And they like started this uh, this whole profession. That then moved to other people in the area. Keep in mind, Germany is a part of this forest area. The Black Forest is essentially the same as this forest. Oh, really? In the in the grand scheme of it, it's but it's kind of like saying the same. The forests in uh, in North Carolina are the same kinds of forests you get in Massachusetts, or the same kind that you'd get in Louisiana. Oh, there's plenty of space between them, but yeah. they probably started as a connected thing. Exactly, and there's also certainly some amount of uh, species that only grow in one and not over in the other, like in the north versus. The the south, the east versus the west. Uh-huh. But in terms of one gigantic unit, if you were just painting, you know, pre-humans, paint or circle green everywhere that includes a forest. Right, right. That would include <clears throat> almost all of Germany, all of Western France, all the way up north and, and west of that. I'm sorry, north and east of that, well into St. Petersburg, Russia, Estonia, all the way up. I see. So with uh so in this whole area. They were managing these forests, and then all these other people started doing it. So they started managing these forests, and they managed the forest uh, that this is, which is, I think, if you count the forest, 90% or something like that is outside of this national park range. Hmm. But this is the area that has never been managed. It's been perfectly just, they've kept it the way it is. But they started the idea of forest management in order to sustain this. But then that adds our own kind of ideologies onto the forest, Remember uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the idea of forests uh, working as cooperative units, 
uh, with their fungal associates yes. underground. Yeah, it, the Germans and other people, and for many many years, have always said, "Well, it's actually it's actually a process of competition. That is what makes a forest go." Right. So they came up with this. It was the working theory for the many many years. But now we're kind of like, well, actually, it might be a little bit different, and we're also saying. Well, we don't need to manage this forest. We can leave it aside, let it do its thing. But the poles are a. There's lots of political pressure to you know you, you know go in and cut just as there, as there is here. People have a vested interest in cutting the trees because they make money off of that. Other people just don't really care about it, and they're like, well, we just want to take it. And other people are like, well, it is our forest resource. We should be doing it. So I think in back in 2017. Uh, Poland started logging at a pretty high rate inside this kind of protected area. Oh, no. To the point where UNESCO and the United Nations had to be like, no, don't do this. Wow. And so there's, you know, is Poland listening? I, I haven't got a whole lot of updates that seem extremely clear right now. But in why I brought up this time before the United Nations is this forest existed and people worked with it for, as you know, like time immemorial. In World War One, there were troops that like were stationed in this area and like did all these things. In World War Two, they killed like uh, two hundred and some bison and like one thing because that's how they got their food. Like their soldiers would go out, wow. they hunted all these animals and trapped all these wild boar and all these things, and then that's how they fed people. And then I think needs must, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But it's also like you know the Germans came up and they were like, "Well, this is ours now. We're occupying it." And then yeah. they. They basically said, we're going to manage it the way we manage German forests, which is in this very other specific way. So it has all this history. I think I'm not 100% sure, and I didn't have time to actually check this out, but there's a movie with Daniel Craig in it hmm. um, where it's in World War II, and they basically like flee into this forest, and they have to like um, – they they're basically like these partisans and things like trying to fight against the Germans. Defiance. Defiance. Does that say what force they were in? Let's see. Ooh, uh, set during the occupation of Belarus by uh, Nazi Germany. Okay, we're close. Um, one moment. Plot. Uh, you wish they would have hired a Belarusian uh, uh, actor. Oh, Casey. Yeah. I, we're not even going to get into it. But then again, I have to say, I like Daniel Craig, and I think he did a good job. The brothers fled. The brothers flee to the Naliboki Forest. Ah, Naliboki I Forest. I wonder where that is. But it's it's probably almost exactly the same kind of area. It might just be the name for this area in the Belarusian state rather than in sure. the Polish. Anyway. So the moral of the story is, even in World War II, it was still like this place that gave like these this certain kind of. Um, it wasn't treated as a UNESCO heritage site. It was just a forest that people were hiding in, and that you know this gigantic, awful war was happening around. Yeah. So then afterwards, you know, you include that history, just like Sherwood Forest we talked about before. In just like the forest of Fangorn, there are people and things that live in this forest as a part of it, you know? Mm. So anyway, the, the long story short is this is a forest, but how are we supposed to manage this as a cultural point? Should we leave it alone and let Treebeard take care of it? Let the trees do whatever they do? Or should we take the Polish side where they're saying, yes, but this tree is, or this forest is like mostly dead. Like it's not even a real forest. We should manage it for certain things, plant new trees. Or if we let the trees and the whole forest do its own regeneration, it's going to take three or 400 years. But we could go in, remove certain things and plant new trees and kind of jumpstart it in a matter of 100 years. Hmm. Which is better. What's your take? 
My take is leave it alone. Yeah, that's mine too. Don't touch it. Go in there. That is a national park. If a forest fire comes through and destroys it, so be it. That's the way it goes. Wow. That's how it is. Yeah. They're not managing for forest fires, just to be specific. But that's a big thing in national parks where if a forest fire comes through, many times people are like, put it out, save the trees. And it's like, no. That is a natural part of this ecosystem. We have to let the forest fires go through and do what they do. Like there are certain historic things maybe we want to save, certain trees we really want to save. But if we try to manage it too specifically, you're preserving something in a in a stasis when a forest is never in a stasis. It's always constantly moving in a cycle. So if we don't let that cycle go, then that preservation can end up causing more trouble down the line because you didn't let it continue on its cycle. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a sad idea, but also if you let those cycles continue on, they are balanced. Douglas fir forests and ponderosa pine forests here in the Pacific Northwest, fires will come through often. Like it, 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 as you go further east, the relativity or the uh, the frequency increases, but the fire f- intensity reduces. So basically, you get hmm. a lot of low intensity fires as opposed to one gigantically awful huge fire every you know fifty years. Which trees like, right? They like that low intensity. Many of them do, yeah. yeah. Or at least they can survive it, whether they don't like it or right. love it. They at least don't die, and it keeps everything on on this certain balance. So uh-huh. if you stop doing that, and you say no, we want to keep it just the way it is. No one touch it. Then it can actually cause more problems down the line. Hmm. So the Fangorn Forest, the the famous uh, bee forest of uh, of Poland, is it's kind of stuck in this weird realm. Where are they doing it for money? Are they doing it because they want the resources? Are they doing it because they earnestly believe it's better for the forest? But it is also, by definition, a primordial forest that is untouchable because it is it it has not been touched. That's the whole point. Right. Then it's like, well, what do you do? Because if they're right and they're really trying to make it better, are they actually making it better? Or if we don't do anything, are we preserving it in a state that will lead it to decline? Why? I mean, like, it's not broken. Like, yeah. the forest knows what it's doing, mm-hmm. and it will do it. And it, they're gonna, it's going to do it on its timeline. Yeah, why right? step in and try to hurry? Like, what is it? You know, what does it benefit anybody to step in and say, well, what the forest can do in 300 years, we can do in 100 years. Like, why do you care? Yeah. Let the forest do its thing. (laughs) If it takes 300 years, it takes 300 years. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Ents move slowly. Ents move slowly. Well, now, Alex, that we've uh, finished our introduction, I think it's time to start the show. Oh, Lord. Fuck (laughs) that. No, but yeah, you're exactly right. That's that's how I feel about it, is to leave the Fangorn Forest to itself. Not to mention, one of, if not for everyone, I'm just going to go ahead and include the most jarring point or like image of all of the Lord of the Rings, uh-huh. for me, is when Treebeard was walking with the two ants or uh, with the two uh, two little hobs. Uh-huh. And was like, "Listen, we get it. You guys, you're upset. Not our problem. We are. We've been weathering these storms for thousands of years. Yeah. And then walks into a clear cut 
of all the old Fangorn forest trees that he's known since he was a sapling. Yeah. And it enrages Treebeard. Oh, yeah. You know the scene that I'm yes, talking about? Yes, is, I, yes. I, I didn't know it first, but I, yeah. now I remember, yeah. Because Saruman and his forces exactly clear-cutting. They clear-cut the whole thing to do the uh, the orc furnace that yeah. made the uh, orc eye. Is that the orc eye? Uh, the orc eye are down there, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I think mostly they were, weren't they just like arming for war yeah 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 but they also born a bunch of things like they just kind of popped out of these little like uh, yes yeah little, like uh, jelly packs or something and they're like making siege equipment and shit yeah all that so it's like they cut down the forest and and literally threw entire trees like into this you know furnace and uh-huh. all this kind of stuff yeah so that i think is is like for me i remember seeing that as like i can't believe they did that that forest was <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of years old uh, it's going to take hundreds and hundreds of years like certainly in not our lifetimes think 400 years ago what was happening and think is anything even remotely the same there except right. like a tree that started growing 400 years ago and somehow has missed the x until now right so that for me was like i was just like i remember watching him like oh, I, can't, I can't oh my god like friends yeah you knew it was gonna happen and then he got enraged so part of me is kind of like leave it let it be because this is like whenever I picture that forest, this is what I imagine it's supposed to look like. Yeah. With the Norway spruce growing there that's been doing it for so long, like out on these exposed slopes and at a little higher elevation and like wherever it can get, but it's sharing all these resources with the rest of its forest components. Mm-hmm. Ah, anyway. So the You're Norway, worked I'm worked up and I think the Fangorn Forest and the Norway spruce as a part of this forest, which is a little weird for us to, are, con- to conceive of. Are you just calling the uh, bee forest the Fangorn from now on? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. yeah, we've structured it in. All right. <laughs> That's canon. Yeah, it is. I Anyway, I think, yeah, I'm with you. Leave it be and yeah. let these trees do their thing. Most likely the spruces are not going to want to live under these under the, the canopies of all these other trees. But I would be willing to bet that the Norway spruce, as it's growing through the forest and finding its perfect niche, it'll be growing near water where there's a little bit more moisture. It'll be growing at a little bit higher elevations wherever there's a little bit of a, a less than perfect place. That's where you're going to find this tree growing over here. You'll find it also way up in the mountains and it'll be like a classic mountain tree, but it is adapted to live in these areas. And if we leave it alone, I bet you it'll keep hanging out and it'll find Find its way finally into the the spruceless zone. Maybe we got to get rid of people though. But anyway, so uh, yeah. So the reason that uh, so we picked the the spruce because it is an unknown yet thorough uh, uh, component of this forest. And on a broader level, it is a lumber tree in uh, in and around all of Europe. A lot of places also grow it. I think you know wherever it's outside of its native area. Uh-huh. And so the question is about forestry and, and reforestation. And should we let the trees grow the way they grow, or should we speed them up and make them work more, or should we just let the forest be and let those dynamics happen over time and then adjust ourselves to that? You can cut some of the Fangorn Forest trees down, but if you clear cut it, you're going to piss off Treebeard, and then you're real fucked. Yeah. That's that, what we want to avoid. You bring the bring the fury of the Ents upon your home. Yeah, and I don't want that. Uh, yeah, you, you and I are you and I are both pro leave it alone. We're leave it aloneers. Yeah, we are. I think um, so. Let it do its thingers. Uh, and Casey, <laughs> this is a good time to do our thing and review and rate this tree. I think it's true. Uh, here's how it goes. We're going to give some final thoughts on the Norway spruce and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden cones of power for this 
Lord of the Rings trilogy of episodes. Casey, as our resident ring bearer, we begin with you. Thank you. Here's what I think. Here's what I think. So as a tree, the Norway spruce, I think, is a delightful, beautiful tree. Mm. There's plenty of things we could have talked about that will be more in tune to this tree. And in time, we surely will. Of course. Um, However, for me, I think that this tree grows beautifully only for a little while. And then it kind of it, it kind of ages, I think, in a weird way. Here's what I mean. You know, if you are a um, you're you're a I'm trying to think of a way that isn't too offensive. I see where you're going, and I don't think you sh- maybe should. I'm not going to go there. Try. I don't know. I'm like, I can always edit it out. <laughs> so it ages in a weird way, where it just kind of gets like plump everywhere and it doesn't like have this graceful beauty that comes with it sure it just kind of becomes a the bottom uh like the bottom canopy just keeps on growing out there and i've never really seen one that have been like wow that's a spectacular tree right it tries really hard at the beginning of its life and then it succeeds and it kind of gives up it kind of just looks like it's just kind of growing there it gets really shaggy and those little twigs keep growing longer and longer yeah of all the trees it doesn't age well for whatever reason Mm. maybe it's a full canopy form maybe it's just that it looks really saggy with all of those those beautiful drapes when it's young become giant ugly sheets of dead branches with you know needles tufts at the ends that kind of thing i dig the cone i like that the cone is so long and funny looking but the rest of it, it's a little bit pokey. It's not even the tallest spruce. I love what it does and where it lives. Yeah. I love how it does it. But as a tree, oh, man, we got so many better, more interesting, more charismatic uh, species of conifers that we should be planting that would do a fabulous job at whatever it is you thought the Norway spruce was going to be good at. Mm. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, it just is okay. So... Though it is a lovely tree in its own space, it gets like a six point two for me. All right, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's fine. It's fine tree. It's not surprising. It's not surprising. I know. It's, it's a, yeah. Sorry. All right, six point two golden six. cones of power. Yeah, there you go for the Norway spruce from dendrologist and ring bearer Casey yep. Clapp. I will add when it's younger, this is it, it depreciates. That's the thing. There you go. Yeah, so it's probably like a seven point nine when you plant it, mm. and then it actually goes up to probably like an eight point five in like middle age, and then and after then that, just yeah. <laughs> straight down. <laughs> I hope I didn't take it too far in a way that people are going to be like upset. Sell sell your Norway spruce stock at seven point nine. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. Casey. What do you think, Alex? I think I basically agree with you. Yeah? I'd like to learn more. This this discussion was fascinating, of course. I liked learning about the bee forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fangorn, as we call it. Yes. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to learn more maybe about uh, the Norwich person. Maybe, there, maybe there's not a whole lot more to know. How much can you say about one tree is sort of the, yeah. is sort of the premise of our podcast. That's true. Um. It's a big lumber tree. Physically, I think it's okay. Yeah. Uh, I like its cone. It's a great cone. It's got a spruce cone. It gets some cones from me for that. Uh, I don't know. 5.5, I think. Wow, okay, yeah. Golden cones of power. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. This poor thing. It's okay. It is. It's just okay. It's just okay. We we hand, like, uh, it's unceremoniously pin a, like, (laughs) you know, thing. We got to. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh well, and it just is, walk away. It's it's over. It's it's, it's we, it was nice. We yeah. tell it it's over, kid. Yeah, yeah little popper celebrated. And yeah, like, uh, keep going. But it like makes a fart noise. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, that's an awful little popper that yeah. you get. I want to go buy one of those at the store. <laughs> uh, that was our review. That's of our review? the Norway spruce. Mm-hmm. Casey, it's time for a game. Oh boy! This is one we call the family tree. Oh god. It's a common condition in this day and age For Casey and Alex to anthropomorphize a tree Is it Zeus of Olympus or Saruman? Hey, some people say it's even Admiral Thrawn Deep cut You know there must be some kind of rules Inside this stupid game But all we can see is the opportunity Of a segment for completely arbitrary Maybe Jean-Luc Picard is an elm of some kind And the kid from Up is a Ponderosa Pine There's room for yous, mahoganies There's room for the hosts to disagree It's a podcast game called The Family Tree Here's how it works. Casey, I will introduce some group of characters from some canon or other. We will then ascribe them a tree that best fits their physical appearance, their personality, etc. Yes. How could we do anything other than Lord of the Rings things this week? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Today, we're going to do Star Wars again. (laughs) I just want everyone to know before we move on that Alex does that every single time, fresh and brand new. It's never been re. It's it's never been recorded once, and we just press play. That's true. And you don't even look at lyrics anymore. You don't. No. You did it once, and then after that, vaulted. Yeah, I locked it away. Stunning. It's that's because it's a classic, and those you can always remember, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> um, Casey, if you recall, when we had Tobin Mitnick on the show, yes, Jews love trees, or Jews loves trees, as I called him. Yeah, yeah, just a pseudonym. Uh, we did a family tree segment. Yep. And we did characters from Lord of the Rings. Yes, we did. We certainly couldn't do that again. We could do other characters, mm. but we're mixing it up a bit today. Okay. We are going to do different places oh in Middle Earth. You're oh, like like uh, uh um the hob or the the Shire. Yes. And um uh well, don't spoil them all right oh, away. Oh geez, sorry. But, oh, you you have them written. Yeah. We got a list. Yeah. There are going to be different places that you can find in Middle-earth, Casey. I see. And we're going to find a tree that best represents the topography, the mm. geography, yep. the local flora and fauna. Okay. Uh, we'll do our best here. And I think it will be good to remember that Middle-earth is essentially based on Europe. Yes, right. So we can maybe find something, a place in Europe that, that kind of matches, okay. uh, you know. Okay. So let's let's start with, uh, chronologically, the first area in Lord of the Rings. We're going ah, the Shire. Okay, all right. The Shire is where the hobbits reside. You can find hobbits in there. You can find our, our hero, Frodo Baggins, living there. Okay. His companion, Samwise. 
I uh, see. The Shire, to me, just looks very much like the English countryside. It does. It feels like the English countryside as well. Also sort of like New Zealand. Yeah. I so, <laughs> A little bit. So I have, uh, to help me, I've gone to uh, the lotrproject.com slash map. And that is a uh, an interactive map of Middle Earth. How about that? Yeah, it turns out you can go to Grey Havens if you go to the uh, to the west to the Sol- uh, the Gulf of Loon. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. But if you go to the east, you start on a long journey to a dark place. Play the game, Casey. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so uh, I, I did. I just started playing with this, uh, I'm this map. Have, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, not having you nice. get distracted by this map. <laughs> okay. I will shut this down. <laughs> okay, so the Shire. Okay, so it's an English countryside. Obviously, the choice, so, the choice yeah. is going to be the oak tree, but we already did that. Like, I think I yes. think that from last, uh, last, last week, that is... That is the def- the definitional tree. The the English oak. I think it's the English oak. Like it just feels like it is because it grows in that way. It grows so yeah. like whee, you know. Yeah, I think that's that's sort of a. Is that too easy? That's sort of a gimme. Let's find an alternate. Let's yeah, say okay. officially English oak. Yeah. But let's find a uh, one that could you know fill a seat on the roster. Okay, I see what you're saying. All right, all right, all right. So, how about a flowering tree of some uh, kind? Yeah, okay. I was, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, it. let's go to a different thing. I got one. All right, what do you got? How about a dogwood? A dogwood. Doesn't the dogwood feel very shirey? Well, it does. It does. the 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 biggest problem for me with the dogwood, though, is that it's it's too small and it's not. It doesn't have the grandeur that you can like go underneath and chill. You know. Well, to a hobbit, ah, that's true. Might be a different story. That is very true. But I, I see what you're saying, and I'm being pedantic, and I agree with you. Basically. Well, let's think of it. There's other big trees that can that can grow like that. The one that comes to mind is a chestnut. Uh, oh, sure. But it, it doesn't really have flowers, but a horse chestnut definitely has flowers. It's gorgeous. How about a beach, a European beach? They don't have very many flowers, but they have that like big- Yeah, forget, like, forget the flowers. Okay, all right. They have this th- that big like fagouge, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, that's a reading tree. Uh, yeah, exactly. You go sit underneath it. I also think of a, a northern red oak. They have that mm. capaciousness that is necessary that you'd really want to see. Um, so really, it does. It t- comes down to a lot of oak trees, a lot of oaks. That's a fine roster of trees, I think. Uh, our next uh, next stop on our journey, Casey, yes, is the land of the elves. <gasps> one of the land of the elves. Oh, boy. Rivendell. Rivendell. So that is um, that is a beautiful, beautiful place. Now, if I recall, the the land of the elves is like full of waterfalls and like gorgeous beautiful things like it looks almost like a tropical place i i wouldn't say tropical but i would say it's sort of like got a columbia river gorge vibe ah yeah okay don't I you see. think i think so yeah but like uh, yeah it does so i was thinking funny enough the og version of the uh the white cedar eastern white cedar wow otherwise known as thuya occidentalis so wait a minute. Keep in mind that that is a tree that we always call the arborvita. Yes, and we did say in its native area. Right, it's stunning. One of our listeners brought up a um, a beautiful place um, called the. It's like the cliffs of the Hudson River Gorge or something like mm. that. And essentially, there is all different white cedars that are growing like on this cliff side, which is just on the side of this gigantic river, but they're like 100, 200 foot tall cliffs. And just on the side are all these like cedars growing off in like weird, like bonsai kind of like shapes, but they are really, 
like super gorgeous because their bark as it ages gets that like whitish gray color to yeah. it. So that's what I I, I can maybe say. Like okay. maybe, maybe that gets there. Sure. But funny enough, I was thinking the madrone. Okay. Like imagine a bunch of orange barked madrones growing off the side of cliffs all over the place and just kind of popping their heads out. Yeah, those are those are good looking trees. Yeah, I, I could also uh, I could also see Casey, if we if we do yeah, ten right. for each one, we this can't will take an hour. You're right. I'm sorry. I have to put my my uh, leather booted foot down. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. All I'm, right. I'm going to give mine though really quick. My official one. Okay. Which is the uh, uh, the quaking aspen. Ah, beautiful. I think yeah. it's about perfect. I think that's it. I'm going to go officially with the uh, eastern white cedar. Love it. Chalk it up. Wow. Uh, Narbavita man, after all. <laughs> uh, Casey, you take ne- that back. <laughs> next on our that's slander. Next on our trip, this is the one I'm really excited for. All right, we're talking Rohan, uh, land of the horse folk, land of the horse folk. So this is interesting. I I, I equate Rohan with sort of like uh, maybe like Norway or like hmm. it's kind of mountainous, but it's kind of like high prairie almost yeah yeah uh, i don't know if that's a thing it, um, i think it is yeah I, i'm with you and they're blonde people yeah uh and they they're very they're all about their horses they're yeah horse folk they are they are horse folk so whenever i think of horse folk i think of um what i know best which is kind of the central uh mid not the midwest in the right way but the the inner mountain west but like the mid of that so like <laughs> yeah, is that does that help you anyway <laughs> lunacy yeah this is not going this is not going where we want it to be that was just <laughs> unintelligible <laughs> all right i can't fake it <laughs> think, holy shit think uh eastern oregon the yes 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 eastern oregon is the per yeah yeah okay and like the the eastern side of colorado and like the um the northern plains and montana and that area yes and the quintessential tree that grows there is the uh the eastern cottonwood Oh great! So there's cotton, uh, cottonwood. The uh, um, what is this? The eastern is is deltoides, but there's another. There's a few others that grow there in that area, and they uh, they have such a like ridiculous way that they grow. In they only grow near where there's like some amount of of water most of the time, uh-huh. but then they just become these big. Fire, like these these solo trees growing out in the middle of almost nowhere, but there happens to be just a little bit of water, so then they just go, boom, I'm growing here. Oh, wow. They get really big, but they're not like oak kind of size, and they're, they're not really oak kind of grandeur, but they have their own like sort of haunting ghostliness to them interesting and, and i don't know why i always think of that but whenever i go out there's you're in ranch land there's no other trees that grow uh-huh the cottonwood will be there hell yeah i love it ranch land good that's, good tie-in yeah that's what i that's what i think uh that sounds good i'm i'm going for a juniper of some kind oh okay All um, right. although you look at photos of rohan in them from the movies and there's not many trees growing yeah there's lots not. of lots of shrubs which is why i'm mm-hmm. going juniper because yeah. it 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 can appear as a shrub. I think that's a really good, that is a good example of one. Thank you. Next on our list, on our journeys around 
this crazy place yeah. we call Middle Earth. Can you make sure to edit in the music as we as we are going through this? Uh, no, because we'll get totally fucked by the, uh, uh, the, the whatever council of yeah. people controls music. All right, that's fair. I can put in some. I can put in some uh, sto- royalty free <laughs> fantasy music. <laughs> that sounds perfect. <laughs> some horse horse uh, sounds. Yeah, thank you. Um, Okay, well, All we're right. going to we're going to Gondor, Casey. We're let's, going to Gondor, <laughs> and let's say uh, again, not many trees. It looks like the same kind of terrain. It's on the other side of the mountains. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. As Rohan, so I feel like it's a little bit. Um, it's like it's a little bit colder, but like a little bit higher elevation. Like maybe not higher elevation, but like. It, it, there's there has to be a rain shadow effect there, right? I mean, Minas Tirith is literally built on the side of a mountain. Yeah, so it's it's pretty mountainous. Yes. Up there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's see. So I picture like a a mountain tree that like grows on the side of a mountain. It doesn't care who you are. Yeah. It is here to live, and you only like it's almost like a, a, a responsible tree. It's beautiful. I think that it's going to be the limber pine. Limber pine. Limber pine. And yes, I was going to say the white bark pine. Well, that's a pretty good one, limber yeah, pine. Yeah, I'm going to go limber pine. Because limber pine grows all the way to like south, southern mountains of, of California and all the way over to the Rockies and the entire uh, central mid mountain west east of the western spot that I'm speaking of. <laughs> it looks like a mountain version of a shore pine. It kind of is, yeah. And they just get so gnarly and radical. Like they're just really beautiful, insane trees. Yeah. Um, but they only grow in like these really tough, hardcore, high up mountain areas and they just cook and they just do it. Wow. Yeah. So I think they, they also tend to get like um, very weathered where like if bark gets ripped off then they get like these really white stems on the inside mm. and they become like these really ghost like spires of like, you know, uh, trees that have been the they get battered and battered and they look like they've been sharpened but like ice crystals has ripped everything off jesus so they're just they're really tough trees and they could grow on the side of a mountain yeah that you'd build a fortress on pretty cool that's what i say well done uh i'm going so in the i know in the this is maybe cheating but in the books there's a bunch of farmland all around uh-huh. minas Tirith, yeah which yeah. they don't put in the movie it must be the, it's not cinematic enough. You think it's the battleground area? I think yeah, yeah. that's so the, the battleground is where the the Pelennor fields rather oh, yes. is where uh you know things are growing in the books. There's like farmland. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so I actually I look at this place and I think of uh kind of the base of Mount Hood. Oh, um, okay, yeah. I'm, so I'm th- I'm going to say an apple tree, some kind of apple tree. Oh, I see. So you're like way down in that area. I, I imagine just like orchards growing in front of uh, in Minas like a, Tirith. Uh, like a, a protected valley area? Yeah. I got gotcha. you. That's like beautiful. That. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good, good. Um. Yeah. This, this feels really good. Yeah, I like those picks. Casey, we have one more. All right. Uh, I wonder where, where uh, J.R.R. Tolkien equated this place with in Europe. Oh no. And what kind of racist it makes him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Casey, uh, our last one, we're headed to Mordor, my oh, man. Oh my gosh, Mordor. Where we where we uh we perish on the slopes of Mount Doom. Yeah. Mordor is, I don't know, how would you describe this landscape? A barren? Yeah. Ooh, I don't like that term. I should try to use a different one. I don't know which came first. But uh it's it's like a burned desert, you know? 
the it's like the slopes it's literally just like the slopes of a volcano yes it's volcanic it's yeah. like primordial yeah exactly where nothing has quite like latched on yet and so it's like nothing is growing there not because it can't it's just that each time it does it gets blasted off again yeah and there's just not a whole lot growing yeah it reminds me of like the the a period like in between like ice ages yeah 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 it's yeah. just like the earth is just a a bubbling hot mass. Yeah, it hasn't quite caught up to, you know, it's, it's getting pulled between two extremes and yeah. so nothing can catch up in between. It's still just a rock. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Do you have any ideas on this? Not really. Mm, okay. Do you? I, I do, but you know what the problem is, though? I can't, I can't quite convince myself of it, but I also don't know any species of tree that I want to use for it. Okay. This, so the thing that I think of is a tropical forest or a tropical place with a volcano. Oh, sure, yeah. Like um, Krakatawa is a, is a good example. Well, yeah. now I guess it's, they, they changed the name because it blew itself to smithereens, but there's now a new little island there that's called, like the term literally means the baby of Krakatawa or something oh. like that, and I can't remember the name of it. But um, there is uh, like the Hawaiian volcanoes. Yeah. Where you get these volcanoes that constantly destroy the landscape, but then as soon as it stops, like the the lava goes some direction, a new little like bit of something starts to grow in between. So I, I that's what I want to picture is whatever those like very first colonizing tropical trees are that are growing up they they just like land and they're like, Yeah, sounds good. I will stick my roots down in here, I'll find some cool spot. Mm-hmm. Boom, there you go. And you have this new like like weird almost like a palm tree just like popping up out of nowhere. Yeah. Where it's just like, Yeah, this is where I landed, this is what I'm gonna do. That's the kind of thing that I think of. So it's it's a tropical tree that I picture in my brain growing off of what looks like a destroyed landscape, but it grows very quickly. So like once it settles down and everything's fine. The tree is just going to be fine. Like it's just going to go, yeah, whoop, bloop, bloop, and it just goes up. Interesting. That's what I see, and I don't know. I I can't give you a good explanation as to why. Hey, you know what? It's a tough one because uh, literally nothing grows in Mordor. Yeah. Right. Um. Nothing but hate and fear. Wow, Casey, yeah. you said it, man. Yeah. Seriously. Sweet. Spectacular. Well, that was Family Tree Middle Earth Edition, Casey. It's time for our completely arbitrary Q and A. This week's question is from Kit. Kit writes. We at the City of Richmond, Virginia Trail Crew are huge fans of the show. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Kit. Hey, thank you. We were hoping that you could help us settle a botany debate. Also, hi, you guys. A botany debate, you say? Yes, Casey. Mm. Judge Clapp residing. It is common practice in the park biz that whenever you disturb the soil, you spread straw, like a bale of hay from Lowe's, on top when you finish to prevent erosion and give grass a chance to establish. Mm Mm-hmm. Should we be concerned about the straw spreading non-native grasses? If non-native grasses do start to grow, will they stick around or will they quickly get out-competed? Not quite an arborist subject, but we thought maybe you would have some insight. Casey, you worked for the Parks Department. How interesting. Yes, do I did. you have some insight into this straw grass <sighs> question? Yeah, you know, a little bit. So, unfortunately, I did not work in the, the restoration side. That would actually have probably been way more fun than what I was doing mm. in terms of getting your hands literally dirty doing stuff. Um, but I have, I do know about this. It's very common in all erosion-based things. Where you want to avoid erosion, you take the uh, a bunch of straw, 
You throw it over the ground, and that makes it so you can walk on it. It's still going to get compacted, but it's not going to be so... 100% awful and you can uh, it will avoid the whole thing just like turning into a rivulet and just washing itself away mm. um, so it does help prevent erosion for sure it's very common however it does it is taken from you know whatever grass they were growing I have no idea what's what's like a common straw grass that you mm. grow in like you know a giant field yeah my bet is it's some kind of wheat or some kind of product from uh, some kind of cultivation because you're not just going to spend a gigantic, huge amount of space to grow a useless grass. I have a little bit of insight here from ah, Google. Alex, what do we got? Straw grass, and this is a random woman on the internet. Hey, so, thank you, random woman. Straw grass is just the seeds from the wheat straw used over new grass plantings. So it's wheat straw. That's yeah. that's what I hear there. Wheat straw. Yeah. So it comes from wheat, which totally makes sense. That's why we have so much of it, and you can literally just throw it on the ground to walk on. Right. It's the shit we don't need from wheat. Yeah, exactly. But we can still use it for you know for better or for worse. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, A, um, in this case, depending on where the straw comes from, the species of that grass, which, again, wheat is a grass, then that can definitely lead for in, or lead to invasive species hmm. especially if there are other things growing in that farm let's say there's a bunch of other grasses that happen to be growing there that when you come in and you do your harvest of the wheat you take all the wheat off the top but then you just shave all the grasses and that takes every grass that was in there including others that may have had seeds that were not as delicious you know hmm. so it is very possible i unfortunately do not have the uh, experience to know one way or the other However, I can say that doing restoration and uh, specifically it was noted that it was restoration so grass can be put back in. Uh, well, a lot of times uh, – I'll give an example of what I know is if you are – you put in a new sidewalk and you like destroy the stuff on the side of it, you want grass to be planted back in if there's, a, say, a lawn there uh -huh. or a park or something like that. Then you take straw and you would lay it down there. The grass that you then put back in there to grow, that lawn grass, is probably a non-native grass to begin with. So you're, you're taking a non-native grass and you're putting the, the – remains of it down to get rid of erosion so that non-native grass can take hold and start growing there in the the park you know lawn area right okay so in that terms what's the worst that's going to happen the same it's it's you know it's just what it is there are certain grasses you may not want but some grasses you do want so you know sure that can be it but they're all non-native they're all in the wrong place and it's all a piss poor example of uh like trying to keep a really nice lawn it's like ah i hate that you should turn it into a nice thing now not to say that what kit and the, them or the folks are doing is piss poor it's 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 the the idea of grass lawns where you don't need to have a grass lawn right that's the problem so what really should happen is you don't need that um that grass or the 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 pine straw at all you use something else that is like say mulch in the back of a truck where you have a, a tree that gets taken down you chip that and all the little bits and parts if you put that down around native grasses then that keeps all the other weeds around from coming back the native grasses and other plants can grow and then that mulch becomes a long-term fertilizer that helps create the soil conditions that are better for everything but if uh yeah i think if there is already non-native grass that you're trying to get to grow back using the non-native straw grass 
remains, it's going to be the same. It's going to be, uh, you're, 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 you're doing the same thing. So unless it's in a very delicate habitat area, eh, maybe try to avoid it. Okay. Anyway, that is from a, uh, a non-expert. Uh, Bang your gavel. Ha ha! There is... Debate settled. Debate settled. Thank you, kids, so much for your question. If you have a question for Casey about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod. Join us on Instagram at arbitrarypod or on Patreon at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. Join the Arboretum for two bonus episodes a month or the Cone of the Month Club for cone stickers sent to you every month in the mailbox. And please, if you have a moment, rate and review this podcast. I really like your your cadence uh, on that. And please, if you have a moment. Mm-hmm. It's very... It's, 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 I'm being it, sincere. It also makes us sound like pro podcasters, I have to admit. Well, if there's one thing we uh, could, could work at... <laughs> identities <laughs> uh casey where are we now let's see what happens at the end of two towers at the end of two oh. towers i think aren't we in helms deep uh in helms deep yeah aren't many people are is like is that's the the final well battle. there's the big battle but yeah. that battle ends mm-hmm, mm-hmm. gandalf comes and saves the day yeah. with the rohirrim the riders of rohan uh and then uh I think Sam and Frodo are about to travel into, is it Care? It's the place with a bunch of rocky shit, and they have to like, yeah, it's like an insane wasteland. And they just have to start walking through. And, but isn't Gollum like taking them there? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which At is, this point, they have Gollum. Who who saw that coming? Oh, boy. Nobody. What a great tale. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so who is the Gollum in our situation? If you oh, and I are, Sam, are Frodo and Sam. It's definitely me because I'm saying, Alex, we have one final installment coming up next. Wow. You're coming with me. <laughs> Drag me into Mordor. Follow me, Alex. This is the third recording. I will this. take you to Mordor. <laughs> okay, it's been established. Neither of us can do a Gollum impression. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of, of uh, Completely Arbitrary, whatever our show is called. Yeah, we'll see you either next week or in one minute. We'll see you next time. Bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 